Today's episode of Seven the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to episode 91 of the Send the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J U M O S Q. I'm here with my co host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4Verts. Say what's up, people, Chuck. What's up? What's up? You're back. Uh, and actually doing like a timely episode for once. Uh, and if you're wearing... <laughs> wow. <laughs> here comes the call oh already. Oh my god, here we go. <laughs> I know. Me he's fine and then he's like, let's record. And then immediately gets on Skype and he's coughing up several frogs. <laughs> okay. Cough aside, if you're wondering... I was about to... You know what I was about to say? I was about to say, if you're wondering why Justin's voice sounds a lot worse. And then I immediately started coughing as I said that. But if you're wondering why his voice sounds worse, uh, we switched to uh, like this old call recorder that we used to use. So, you know, the sound quality might be down, but it makes our lives a lot easier. And uh, that's really all we care about around here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Also, what you said you said timely recording. I think we're going to try to shoot for every week starting now on. It was just a weird shit with week one. By the time we wanted to record week one, it was like we were already past thursday night football and stuff like that so yeah uh and I, we should have a little bit more time during the season than we did during the off season which is weird but you know life is weird um so i mean we can just dive right in do we want to talk about week one at all or should we just I do think it we'll like hit as... week one when we yeah we'll hit week one as we go through the schedule i think okay that works um so Let's start off with uh, Thursday Night Football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing the Carolina Panthers on the road. The Panthers are a six-and-a-half-point six home favorite. And, you know, I, I guess just going into this episode, I should say that we are, like, all on the same page with our uh, with our picks. Like, I, I think we're in lockstep on just about everything. The lines this week were really easy, as they kind of tend to be early in the season. And we are both passing on this uh, Tampa Bay game. Yeah, so these two teams are actually two teams that I have probably the least feel for. I felt like coming out of week one, I'd seen enough of these games to kind of make judgment on these teams outside of like the Tampa Bay-San Francisco game and the Carolina uh, Rams game. You know, those were the two that I feel like, you know, I have probably have to watch more as the week goes on. But you, you watched Tampa-San Francisco last night, last time I talked to you, right? Yeah, James was awful. I mean, wow. I, I know that he has games where he's not on, but that was probably one of his worst performances ever. And it, it was funny, like, if you just kind of look at the week one passing stats, Tampa Bay is dead last in adjusting the yards per attempt. I think they're at 1.5. Uh, so, you know, James threw three interceptions. He could have thrown, like, five. Uh, there were passages all over the place where he wasn't even close to being accurate. Like, it was a vintage awful James Winston James Winston performance. I mean like his bad games are good enough to to lose you games and that's exactly what happened versus uh San Francisco. 
Yeah, and Arians is going to give them time, but um, last time I checked, their backup quarterback was Blaine Gabbert, and he was hurt at one point during the preseason. So I don't even know if like they can even go to a QB2 type of situation. Um, Denver's kind of in the same spot, too. Uh, Denver's backup quarterback is Brandon Allen, who's been there for like two weeks. You know, he he was a backup with the Rams. I think he was like the third or fourth quarterback with the Rams uh, this offseason. So like those are the two teams where it's like your quarterback might be bad and he might start 16 because the guy behind him just like isn't ready to start an NFL game type situation. But we took Carolina, um, or at least I did. You made fun of me. I took Carolina to win the NFC South plus 600 this offseason and it's up to 550 now so a little bit of value we got you guys a little bit of value if you're able to find that one yeah i wonder if that i guess 50 points of value comes or i i guess they went to i guess they lost 50 points of value on that but i guess that comes from the nfc south outside the saints just looking like a complete dumpster Doo-doo. fire yeah and we'll hit on the falcons because they play unfortunately on sunday night football next week but man that was really ugly uh but like I said, we're gonna pass in this game. It's a you know. Well, it's one one more those... thing on this game, it's the elimination game. Yeah, I was just it's about to say that. Oh and one against oh and one. That's like one of our favorite things to kind of fade in terms of like futures gambling. Is like if you start zero and two, there's basically a ten percent chance that you make the playoffs. Zero and two kills you in the NFL. Like to make the playoffs, you got to be like ten and six. So you got to go on a ten and four run from there on out. This is kind of a head-to-head matchup where it's like Tampa, Carolina. One of them, one of you guys is gonna get kicked out and. If they do start 0-2, I'm not sure these are one of the 10% teams who start 0-2 and end up rallying to make the playoffs type situation. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, like, when you point out the 0-2 stuff to fans, like, I remember last year the Falcons started off. They get fucking mad. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I remember uh, last year when the Falcons started off 0-2, I just tweeted out, like, yeah, you know, they're probably not going to make the playoffs from here. And like, oh, you know, they have the talent to be better. I'm like, "Uh, whatever. I mean, you have to pretty much... People, get, people always go in my mentions about that, and they're like, well, I don't know if that contextualizes like the talent of teams that are 0-2. And I'm like, let me guess. Your team is 0-2, and, and you think yeah. they're better than they are? Like, right. come on. I know what we're doing here. Like, roll with the punches. It is like, what it is. Like, you got to be perfect. In, you know, in a in a 16-game season, uh, two games kind of matters. It's uh, like we've seen teams you play off fortunes. Exactly. You only get six losses if you want to be in the playoffs. You're already out, too. So. Uh, yeah, so whichever uh, these teams lose is, you know, fans just start looking for those mock drafts online. I'm sure you can find plenty of them already, even though that should be illegal. Uh, let's move on to the next game. The San Francisco 49ers on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are a one-point home favorite, and we're passing on this game too. Yeah, again, this San Francisco team is probably one that I need to watch. All I saw was that like people were like, they got five touchdowns called back, basically, in this game. Um, I did see Cincinnati a little bit against Seattle. I get that game locally, so I just had that in the background while I was watching Red Zone and stuff. Cincinnati's a lot better than I thought, and, like, John Ross shows signs of life. That's kind of not, not what I was expecting out of Cincinnati week one, but we'll see where it goes from here. I, I still think, you know, the other teams in the AFC North are a, a bit better than Cincinnati on paper. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think we were – on the side where coming to the season, we didn't know really what to make of Seattle. And I still don't really know what to make of Seattle after that game. I still am not, you know, particularly high on the Bengals, but uh, I guess that was a pretty good performance for them. Just 
in terms of like looking like a functional team, which they didn't for the vast majority of last year. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm I, I'm in on the pass just because I don't know what to make of either of these teams, and I'm not quite in on either. Uh, and to be honest, I'm probably not even going to watch the game because 49ers Bengals is not something that screams uh, peak entertainment value to me. So might as well just pass all together. Oh yeah, this is going to be a, a red zone game. Maybe rewatch if it becomes interesting, but that's all it's going to be for me. Yeah, uh, next game is the. Wow, I almost I see it, it says LAC on the sheet, uh, and I almost said the Clippers are playing the Lions, which is not right. Uh, the Chargers are playing the Lions, and the Lions are two and a half point home underdog, and we are both on the Chargers mainly because uh, the Lions stink, and that's really all I need to say on that. I mean, they were up. What was, what were had they up by like twenty four to six against the Cardinals? I think. Uh, and it looked like they were just about to roll to a victory. And they let, you know, I think we're both kind of tentatively in on the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray experience. But, like, this was their first full game. And they torched Not this them. year, yeah. Maybe not this year. But we knew this year it yeah, was going to not- be a, a brutal situation. I think I said last time we recorded that, like, Arizona is not done making moves in terms of that 53-man roster. And they were one of the most active teams uh, on September 1st or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they're they a year away from being a year away. Yeah, that's an important clarification. So, you know, not in for this year, but tentatively in for the long haul. But, I mean, to just get shredded, like for the Lions to just get shredded in the fourth quarter of that game, I think Kyler, I think I saw something, Kyler went like five for nine for 143 yards in the touchdown in the fourth quarter in overtime. I'm not in on you as a team if you let that happen. I mean, this is a team that could barely, like, snap the ball during the preseason, and they just got torched. And they just torched the Lions uh, to close that game. So, you know, the Chargers are, are a lot better. Away too. Remember, we were talking about, like, wow, Tremaine Brock is going to start week one for an NFL team at cornerback. And Stafford tried to throw him a pick six in overtime, and he just dropped it. So, like, this yeah. could have been easily been a loss for the Lions. Yeah, um, I, there were like 10 seconds left that they played too. Like they got, it, it was about to be like one of the worst losses that they could have. And, you know, they got bailed out and ended up with the tie. But this team very much still stinks. And I'm just not in on them at all. And I, I still like the Chargers' chances uh, in the AFC West. I mean, you know, they had that close game with the Colts last week, but that's a pretty good, you know, a pretty well-coached team uh, in, in Indianapolis there. So not too concerned. Uh so Chargers minus 2.5 on the road, that just seems like a slam dunk pick to me. Yeah, do you think the Chargers are going to finish over 500 this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I haven't looked at their schedule too much, but I don't see why not. Like, Yeah, uh, Stafford's record against 500 teams, it's it's not good. It's not oh, good. yeah. This is a layup. Every, everyone, forgets, everyone forgot about this. <laughs> but, like, Stafford against good teams is like, yeah, he's going to throw the ball a lot and they're going to lose. That's kind of how this thing works out. What are we at with Stafford's record against 500 teams? Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. This is great. Um, uh, in June in June of 2018, so before last season, he was 6-46. and 46. So add on whatever they had last year, which I know wasn't good. Great. Yeah. I mean, they, they, had the, uh, they had the weird win against the Pats last year, but... Yeah, that was like the whole you know, Patricia 
going to yeah Patriots don't do well against uh, their former former coaches in that first game that first matchup. Um, one thing that I do want to say about the Chargers, I mean, there's really not that much to say other than like, hey, there's not that big of a difference between Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Um, their offensive line is fucking awful. Like that that was probably one of the underrated uh, bad units, I guess, league wide that people aren't paying attention to. And I know a lot of people don't have takes about, you know, Chargers offensive line and stuff like that. But with Okung out, I mean, it's Trent Scott, Dan Feeney, who was a high pick. I kind of liked him coming out, but he's been bad in the pros. Pouncey, who's fine. Schofield is not good. And Sam Tevy at right tackle. And Tevy's probably one of the worst five offensive linemen in the league right now. Um, so their offensive line is just a freaking mess. Phillip Rivers was getting beat up last game, but – I just don't know if the the Lions have the pass rush to completely swing a game like that, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I just don't know if they have enough, and I don't trust their offense at all. Like, So I know Stafford had a good game last week, but like even coming into the season, I was like, should we be more concerned about the Cardinals' offense or defense? Like, Those are two both very bad units, and I think they showed that on Sunday. But the Lions think too, so... And I'm done talking about them. Let's move on to the next game. I agree. So Minnesota uh, at Green Bay. Green Bay is a three-point home favorite. Um, these are not even teams. I don't think these are even teams. Do you think these are even teams? No. Uh, I mean, the Packers won on Thursday versus the Bears, but they still looked god-awful. I mean, Matt LaFleur did not have that team ready to play whatsoever. And I remember there was a moment in the game where we both three at the same time like, oh, my God, they just got a timeout. They had to call a timeout out of a commercial break because they weren't ready. Like, that's not really <laughs> what you see the most yeah. organized teams do in the NFL. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't look all that good either. Like, even on some open throws, he just flat out missed guys. Uh, this team, you know, the, the defense is better for sure, but the offense just looks so yeah, discombobulated. Yeah, so, like, people, people say that, but, like, Kevin King and – um what's his name, Tony Brown, every time the ball went their side, they could not track it in the air. The thing was more just like Trubisky's throwing people the ball, you know? Like, I didn't even feel like their their defense was even that great. It was just Trubisky was kind of bad, you know? Oh. I don't know what to expect with that. With, like, Minnesota, you know, I think they're, like, full in buy-in mode with, you know, Kubiak there. They only threw 10 passes. Kirk Cousins has been talking – the entire offseason about how much play action matters and uh, Zimmer, all he wants to do is run the ball. Like I kind of think this offense is like full in buy-in mode to the point where like, I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Cousins had like that Shanahan season, you know, there's just so many pieces involved with it, with it right now in Minnesota that like, I could see him just being like play action efficiency. God. Yeah. Yeah. That game was a, it was something. And we'll, we'll talk about the Falcons and the Bears later. But I, th- I think, you know, I think with the Packers defense, it's like their front is a lot better. And Blake Martinez is a guy that's gotten a lot better, like, over the past few years. I mean, he's a guy that you can really trust to be a starting middle linebacker for you now. And, you know, he does – I feel like he does just about, like, everything well. Uh, but the thing is – with the with the Packers, like it's just kind of hard to trust that offense right now because, you know, the, the thing it was so interesting to see that one people were just super excited about the Lafleur hire, and two that they were kind of saying that he was going to run run this McVay offense. And we were talking about it last night, like the Titans abandoned that McVay style of offense 
very, very early in the season. So I'm not really sure why that was the thing. And, you know, the offense is being run by Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett. So you have the architects of the Titans and the Jaguars offenses last year. Uh, I don't think anyone should be surprised if that ends up being like an underwhelming experience experiment just based on like who you have running that side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, one more point on the uh, Packers defense. I don't know how much like you went back and watched that game. I know it's an extremely boring game. So if you didn't go back to it, I don't blame you. Um, I went back and rewatched it between uh, Thursday and Sunday. Raven Green, uh, 24. He's less than 200 pounds, and like if he were wearing a 50, you would say he's a linebacker. He wasn't a safety. So like he's the second inside linebacker there while Oren Brooks is uh, hurt. So I don't know how that's going to turn out. He ended up on his ass a couple times when Chicago was able to get him uh, on a lineman, on like a guard or something like that. So I wonder if they try that against Minnesota because Minnesota wants to run, and if Raven Green is playing sub-200 as an inside linebacker, that'll be very interesting because like – Martinez looked good, but it was in, like, mug front stuff, you know? Um, I don't know if you can live in that, you know, every play. So we'll see how that one turns out. I trust Minnesota here. I'm taking them plus three. Yep. Uh, Next game is the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are a three-point favorite, and I'm just going to pass on all of this. Like, the game, the betting, it's just really – I know the Titans won 43-13 last week, but – whatever that was kind of a weird game they were close to the fourth quarter just blew wide open uh i have nothing to say about this i mean jacoby Brissett, i I like you but i just don't know if if he's going to be enough even though you know he he did put together a pretty solid game against the chargers to just you know they had to drop in the end zone where he just rifled in a laser to uh eric ebron that got dropped and I don't know. I just really don't have much to say about this game because I'm not interested in either of these teams this year. Yeah, I, I will say the Chargers were down a couple DBs um, in that game, so I wonder how much that impacts it. I, I think both Jacoby and Mariota, like their stat line is better than I would have thought it was going to be. But I don't really trust either of these teams, and Mariota's arm just kind of looks dead, man. Like Tennessee wasn't even secret about looking at uh, quarterback prospects in the draft. Like, they had him in on uh, visits at their facility and stuff like that. And the more we're watching Mariota's arm um, off that, that, what was it, elbow nerve injury, um, the more it's kind of just looking like it, it, it just might, his arm just might be dead, you know? He might not be right for a couple of years or something like that. I don't know how those type of injuries work, but um, I would not expect that type of stat line from Mariota on a week-to-week basis um, watching that game. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, 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 a lot of that came on the the big play of Derrick Henry. And it's just weird. Like, Mariota's at a place like where he's throwing the ball, and it looks like the ball weighs, like, like 500 pounds. It, it, it's just kind of sad to watch him throw. Uh, like, he just clearly doesn't look like an old self. Because, like, when you watch his uh, – I think he, 2017 was probably the best year of his career. Or maybe it was 2016. Uh, but – you like you, you watch the zip he's able to put on the ball then and now it's like he's throwing a medicine ball in one hand and it it just kind of looks like this thing is turning down. But we're just gonna pass on that uh the entire experience of Colts Titans. Uh the next game is the Patriots versus the Dolphins. The <laughs> the Dolphins are an eighteen and a half uh home favorite. 
I mean, home underdog. Not favorite, not favorite. Goodness. Um, home yeah. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me get New England uh, plus 18 and a half, minus 110. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Dolphins are an 18 and a half point uh, home underdog. And if you watched them last week against the Ravens, that feels about right. I mean, this is like barely an NFL team. Like, they're, it, it, you, you would imagine that just based on name brands, like they would have better talent, just based on name brand talent, they're secondary, like Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, Bobby McCain, like all those guys can play, but they just got destroyed by Baltimore and they just looked out of sync. Like they, they weren't really on the same page on the 83 yard play. Like Minka Fitzpatrick gave Hollywood Brown a two way go. And I know Hollywood Brown didn't run the 40, but we all know that he's very, very fast and their game plan with him was pretty you know, pretty weird. Fitzpatrick got beat on like a fullback pass for a touchdown when uh, the Ravens were still throwing up 42 to 10 late in the game. Uh, it was just a really bad performance. Now, you know, here comes probably the best team in the NFL that, oh, they just added Antonio Brown to the team and they're getting Kyle White back because he was out last week uh, because his wife was in labor. Adam Gacy, take notes. Uh, and it, it was just... You know, I, I like these teams are just not close at all, uh, and it's probably going to be a slaughter. But the, the spread's so big that we're going to pass. Like it's just kind of hard to realistically it's put just money. It's an off. absurd line. It's, yeah. it's just, they hung that line so people just don't smash the Dolphins. Basically, is yeah. what I would what I would assume. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, like, one, we wouldn't so, be surprised. You wouldn't I be surprised if they Miami. covered, right? No, because I mean, New England always struggles in. Miami historically and you know they don't blow out teams like that you know sometimes they let them in like backdoor covers and stuff like that but I I, I want no part of watching this game outside of just Antonio Brown highlights and stuff um one thing that I will say like all right so so this Miami Dolphins team is an awful product right you'll agree with me on that one uh I mean unless you like comedically bad football then yeah it's it's awful like, I don't know why. So, if I, like, if you're a Dolphins fan, there's no reason to go to a game. Right, exactly. It's just a bad pro- – like, no one no one actually wants this. And the entire reason that they're doing this is they're tanking. And there's only one thing that you tank for, right? Like, you, if you get the first overall pick, you're not going to take a lineman, right? Like, you're tanking for a quarterback. So you think, okay, why are these teams tanking for a quarterback? And it's because the draft only lets you access – uh, these young quarter, there's no access for NFL quarterbacks, right? Veterans. And then in college coming out is based off the draft system. I just don't understand why we can't just make college free agency a thing and still have the salary cap. And then you basically remove this entire idea of tanking and make it a better product because teams get access to these young quarterbacks. I just don't understand why we have to sit through maybe one or two years of awful Miami Dolphins football so that they can have a chance at swinging at a young quarterback when this could all be solved by just like letting college free agency happen. And it's not really unfair to anyone, you know? But think about the small market teams, you know? They're still only starting <laughs> quarterbacks in the NFL. These guys are going to go be backups in Green Bay so they can sit for three or four years. Like, I, I don't understand. It's not like no one doesn't want to be a starting NFL quarterback. The Dolphins will still have access to the same guys that they would want, you know? 
think about the small market teams oh. okay you know i'm i'm in my car my ford f-150 i got my shades on i just buzz my head i'm taking a selfie in my car and i'm here to remind you to think about the small market teams okay we have to have a draft we have to have a cap space because or else you know these small market teams like uh green bay they just wouldn't be able to compete you know all righty all right <laughs> we should just get rid of the draft. i'm saying i'm i'm mad at the draft system now because I have to watch, like, this Dolphins team exists for probably two years. And it's probably two years, right? Like, that's why, I mean, Clowney took a visit and said, no, nah, this isn't going to happen. And Teddy Bridgewater would have been given a starting job for the Dolphins. He's from Miami, took a visit and was like, yeah, I don't want to be here for this. So I'm assuming this is more than a one-year thing. This might go two years. So this is just an awful product. I just don't understand why we should be trying to build the sport this way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Brian, Brian Flores is going to be speaking in tongues by the end of the season. Yeah. Like, I, I kept sending you things this weekend where I'm just <laughs> the Brian Flores, R. Kelly. I'm fine for my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> Mika Fitzpatrick is like giving quotes. Like I've never lost like this before. And it's like not even hard to parse out who the, who the Florio uh, tweets were about, like, hey, people are, are asking for trades and getting out of Miami. I'm like, Miami has, like, three good players. One of them is Mika Fitzpatrick, and he's talking about how he's never had this feeling before. So I think yeah, we can and, put two and two together there. And uh, Mika Fitzpatrick looked like one of the worst players in the NFL on Sunday. So, you know, it, it's kind great. of – Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Like, that would be the perfect, like, the perfect scheme and system for him. Uh <laughs> But my thing when uh, <laughs> when that report came out that said uh, you know the Dolphins players are trying to get out of Miami, like dude, who wants a trade fee right now? We okay, so I guess what about twenty months ago there was a debate whether or not Lamar Jackson could play receiver uh, in the NFL or or had to play receiver like if he could play quarterback. You know what I'm trying to say? And he just had a game against you guys that. Uh, only Drew Brees, Johnny Unitas, and Joe Namath have ever had with over 20 adjusted yards per attempt on at least 20 attempts. Uh, why would anyone want you right now? Like, your stock couldn't possibly lower. That was just a joke of a game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, it was brutal to watch. It was hilarious. Patrick Ricard, who's like been one of my underrated favorite players because he's like a former defensive lineman playing fullback and he's just a hog when he blocks guys, like, he, he decletes people, right? But he's, like, playing at, like, 300 pounds, and he's wearing a number 42 now. He used to play with, like, number 99 or something up until last year, and he caught a touchdown in against Miami. Like, that's embarrassing. Legitimately embarrassing. Whoops. Are you live? Yeah, I have my microphone muted. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's I was like, man, Patrick Ricard, that's, that's how it ends. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I brought up a fullback. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't wish this Dolphins team on anyone. Maybe Trevor Lawrence. Like I, I don't even know. Okay, last Dolphins point before we move on, and hopefully never talk about them for the rest of the season. Like, is this team even going to be ready for a rookie quarterback next year? No, that's what I'm saying. So if you're tanking, right, the value isn't even. So if you're analytically driven, you have to look at the results of the draft and say. You know, the best quarterback isn't even always the first quarterback drafted. Like, that happens not very often, right? So what are you tanking for? You're tanking to cash out that first overall pick, and then the next year you take the quarterback. 
right? So I would assume, like, they're probably not even taking a quarterback this year. So good luck, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. But, like, th- like I said, this is going to be an awful product for two years. Also, they can cash out a first-round pick and draft a quarterback in 2021. And it's just like, man, do we really have to go through the growing pains of this? Like, we can cut through the growing pains and just have college free agency, and you can add those young players what it, you know, immediately, right now. You could be building that young um, roster right now, but instead we have to go through a two-year growing pain process, and it's just like, it's just an awful product, man. It's not fun. It's not fun to watch. Okay, uh, speaking of things that are not fun to watch, the next game is the Buffalo Bills going to the New York Giants. The Giants are a two-point home dog. Let me repeat. The Giants are a two-point home dog to the Josh Allen Buffalo Bills. Uh, so we are both in the Giants this week. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched the Bills-Jets Bills game from last week, but that was just a uh, complete comedy of errors, especially in the first half. I mean, you, you, you should definitely go into like your little Josh Allen falling asleep analogy or waking up, whatever. But <laughs> dude, like he can't play quarterback and he has no idea how to play quarterback. I mean, I've, I don't think like since Vic, maybe like literally since Vic, I don't think I've seen a quarterback that is just this prone to scramble. Like he's not looking for passing routes in so many plays and the first time like he'll just catch the ball in the pocket and just take off and run. It, it's crazy. Yeah, it looks. I I said on Sunday, I'm like every Josh Allen snap looks like he he's asleep and he wakes up two seconds into the play and is like, holy shit, I'm in an NFL game. And then it's just fucking scramble drill from that point on. I think I, it was either you or Derek who said like the hamster hamster wheel in his head is going overtime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <And that just, laughs> but like Buffalo Buffalo spotted the Jets eight points offensively. They threw a pick six. Vedvik missed the, missed the PAT, and then they got a safety, too. Um, I, so this two-point line for the Giants at home, right? This means that Buffalo at home would be eight-point favorites over the Giants. What team are we looking at here? And it's not like the, the win totals were wildly different for these teams either. Buffalo was at, like, seven, and I think the Giants were at, like, seven, too. So people thought these teams were about even coming into the season, I just don't know why Buffalo should be getting, you know, eight points at home, basically. They're, they're even teams to me. I think there's value here on the Giants, and I'm not even a huge Giants fan. I mean, yeah, the Giants stink. Uh, both these teams stink. And, like, there's not much to be gained from, like, putting money on the bills. It just doesn't make much sense here. Uh, so we're going to roll with the Giants. I know the Giants got just straight eviscerated against the Cowboys last week. But, you know, now they're playing a team that's a little bit more on their level. Uh, and, you know, they're at home. So. Yeah, Josh, Josh Allen has more interceptions than touchdowns. And Dak Prescott is the winningest NFC quarterback since he's come into the league. I don't think Buffalo is Dallas. I don't think he's going to be able to shred that Giants defense the same way Dak was. So Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, – it, it, it's uh, you're getting the you're getting the you're in the Bills as like a road favorite, so I think you should just automatically take the other side in that scenario, like against any team. Like maybe maybe they could beat the Dolphins as a home as a road favorite, but against any other team, you should probably be taking the home squad. So we're gonna uh, roll with the Giants. Uh, next game is the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburghs are three and a half point home favorite and. This is one I just could not get the feel on because I don't think the Pigs, the Steelers are going to have 
many games where they score just three points like they get against the Patriots. And I don't, I still don't know what to think about the uh, the Seahawks either after they get against the Bengals. Yeah, the C- the Seahawks letting the Bengals hang around too long was I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised type situation. And then Pittsburgh was kind of weird because I I was focused on that game watching it Sunday Night Football. Um, one, uh, all the rumors about Ben Roethlisberger being the best shape of his life, though that was a fucking lie. That's not true at all. Um, but like they're basically like a gun, like a spread gun passing team that runs toss plays. Like they ran so many toss runs um, in the first half before they just basically couldn't run anymore because of the situation. Um, I'm, I was kind of surprised about that. Their run game is real diverse uh, for an NFL team, um, but they just basically have to go away from it almost instantly. So I really don't know what this team is going to be because like Pittsburgh couldn't even basically run their offense for two quarters of the game, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say yeah. Juju is the only guy I'm scared of on that team in terms of the pass catching threats. Like James Washington still hasn't done anything in a regular season. And um, well, who is it? Moncrief is their wide receiver two right now. Uh, okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, I just I just don't have a good feeling to get these teams. So I'm just going to pass on it entirely. Oh, uh, what's the next game? I don't have the sheet up. Uh, Dallas, Washington. Washington is a four and a half point home dog. Um, I I mean we were talking about this before, right? But Dallas would be a ten and a half point favorite at home, so that just seems kind of like a lot, even That's against Washington. A huge one. I I will say though, are you buying in on the Dallas hype? Yeah, I mean I'm I've been yeah. team Dak is good for like four years now, so I got to stay in my corner. The two offenses that I was the most impressed by. Um, I mean, obviously Baltimore, but they were playing against a college team, basically, right? I, I think Dallas and Minnesota are the two where you watch them and you're like, "All right, like you guys, you guys know exactly who you are, and you're executing at a real high level." So I, I think those two were like the two offensive performances that kind of swung me in Week One. Yeah, it's like they had this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you saw the quote from Dak Prescott, but he was saying that. Um, that Kellen Moore didn't put any new plays into the playbook, that it was just like the sequencing that was all different. It's like, how do you have this play calling savant on your roster and you just don't do anything with that? I guess, but I mean, Dallas, like one of the things that was cool about Dallas, right, was they were so good in the red zone um, in recent years because they do so many like option plays and stuff like that, RPOs with, with Dak Prescott, but they would never run it in the middle of the field. So it's nice to see them doing it more consistently. And we've talked about this since Dak's rookie. Like, Dak is one of the quarterbacks who's, like, probably better in empty than he is in any other look. And just getting a guy like uh, Kellen Moore who can do all these shifts and shifts or shifts and motions um, to be able to put him in these spots, you know, in the middle of the field, I, I think it's going to be great for him. I think he's going to have a huge year. Yep, I'm, uh, I'm all in. And I feel like the Cowboys might regret – not signing him before the season, uh, just based off that you know that first game. And I know you know the Giants stink and whatever, but you know you have to just be really impressed with how that Cowboys offense looked like, regardless of opponent. Like when you're when you have games where you're throwing for you know 400 yards, four touchdowns on 30 attempts, like regardless of opponent, that's really fucking impressive. But 
uh, you know, it, it just kind of feels like four and a half point road favorite seems like a bit much. Like, I just want kind of want to wait and just give it another week and see what they look like before, you know, we start going in on them as like road favorites against, uh, you know, surprisingly competent teams because Washington, I think that they even they were a little bit surprised with how well they kept up with Philly. Like, even though they lost the game because they just kind of didn't have the horses at the end, like. That was a pretty good job by Jay Gruden. I, I feel like he's a guy that's going to have success at his next stop, but it's probably time to pull the plug on this Washington thing. Yeah, Jay, I, I think both you and I have a lot of respect for Jay for what he has to go through and the fact that he's kind of like divorced from decision-making and stuff like that. But I think he's you know, one of the best 32 offensive lines in the league. He should be calling plays even if he loses this job in Washington. Um, what do you think about people going in on Jay about the Adrian Peterson thing? So basically the whole thing was like he didn't activate Adrian Peterson on the the 46-man game day roster, right? You Only 46 get a play out of the 53 on the roster on game days. Um, And his whole point was like, yeah, if we thought we were going to be in the eye formation the entire time just running down the gut, we would have Adrian Peterson, but we didn't think they were going to be in that situation. And obviously looking back now, if you know, you know, they're going to spot them what they were up like 20 points or something against the Eagles. Obviously you would want Adrian Peterson in that situation, but um, he, he didn't think they were going to be in that spot. And I don't think anyone really thought they were going to be in that spot. So I don't really understand why people are going after him so hard. Yeah. I mean, look, I was at Washington practice for like a week this year. His reasoning for not wanting to do that is very sound. I mean, you got to remember, like they don't have Trent Williams right now. Their starting left guard is Eric Flowers. You have Malik Jackson and Fletcher Cox that you're going against. And, you know, why are we trying to give the ball to, you know, a million-year-old Adrian Peterson that many times a game anyways? Like, I, I know he had the 1,000-yard season last year, but it's not like he was particularly good. Like, yeah, you remember that game last year against the Eagles on Monday Night Football when freaking Mark Sanchez started the game? And... Uh, Adrian yeah. Peterson, he had like the 90-yard touchdown run, and he still finished with under 100 yards. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that it's not really a big deal that that was his reasoning. I thought it was kind of funny that he actually went out and said it. But it, it's 2019. Like, you don't really need backs like Adrian Peterson. And if you think you're you're gonna have to throw to keep up, I don't really have a problem with the thought logic. But I guess they were I like can... a 10-point underdog. You know, like. Right. <laughs> I, I, I understand the we aren't we didn't think we were just going to be able to like run out the clock, you know. Yeah, I guess like you would have liked to have him when you were up uh, late in the game, but yeah. it is what it is. But it, it comes to the larger point that we should get rid of the inactive system and just allow full fifty-three man roster because it doesn't really make that much sense. And a lot of the practice squad. Yeah, sure, all of them. It's a lot of money and rosters for the, season, for the season. Who cares? And NFL rosters are half the size of college football rosters on game days. It, does, it doesn't make sense to me. They're the size of high school. There's, there are high school teams who have much bigger rosters than the NFL on game days. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, but we can move on because we're not betting on that game. Uh, first teaser game that we have, the Arizona Cardinals – Taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore is a 13.5-point home favorite. We are going to tease it down to 7. We're going to pair with another game in a second. Uh, but we are t- t- touching the Cardinals a bit. 
they are not even close to being as good as the Ravens are right now. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Ravens covered this 13-point spread. I mean, Lamar Jackson was just unbelievably good on Sunday. I mean, I, I know this is a caveat. That was the Dolphins. But like I said, like, when you are the having – The Cardinals aren't that different than the Dolphins, though. You right, know, exactly. Yeah. Those are the I closest know, teams. If we, got, if we got one that's closer to Miami, let me know, but – yeah, I was to say, like, I know it's the caveat of the Dolphins and whatever, but, I mean, he was just unbelievably good. Like, um, all the passes he was making, and he, you have to remember, the last time we saw Lamar Jackson was in that Chargers game, uh, that playoff game against the Chargers. And, you know, Levitard, he points this out all the time, that Lamar Jackson in that game went two hours of, like, real time, like, not game clock, like, real time without a completion. And... Now he threw five touchdowns to three incompletions on Sunday, and he could have had a better day if Hollywood Brown didn't lose uh, a deep pass in the sun. But, I mean, it's just really hard to overstate how good he looked throwing the ball. Uh, everything was accurate. I mean, I, I think you could maybe one of his 19 throws, one of his uh, 20 throws wasn't on point, and everything else was just an absolute dime. I mean, the progression that he's made in one offseason, it kind of does match, like, what his Louisville career looked like in terms of just getting a lot better each year, like as a functional passer. And now he just looks like a guy that's ready to take the league by storm. And he gets an absolute cupcake of opponent again this week. Uh, so, you know, 13 is a lot. So we're going to tease it down to seven and pair it with another game. But, you know, just when you look at where this Ravens team is compared to the Cardinals, I mean, the Cardinals are probably just going to get destroyed on offense. You know, that Ravens secondary plus their defensive line is just going to be too much for them. Yeah, and Jimmy Smith is out, but we talked about in the offseason. Like, if Baltimore is a real deep defense in a way that, like, I mean, they cut Willie Henry. You know, we thought Willie Henry was a decent defensive lineman. Um, so they can kind of lose guys and still have depth. So I don't think, you know, Jimmy Smith's missed game, games before, and Baltimore hasn't missed a step. So I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. Er- Earl Thomas was already, uh, I think he was PFF's number one rated uh, safety this week and all sorts of stuff. So. I am not worried about this Baltimore secondary at all. Yeah, it's going to be a disaster for Kyler. I, I mean, I'm excited for like the all 22 of Cliff Kingsbury versus Don Martinsdale, but outside of that, like they're just so outmatched in terms of pure talent. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, next game, this is the last morning game. We got all the fucking morning game. Red zone in the morning is going to be awesome until the afternoon when there's like two games. Um Jacksonville at Houston. Houston is eight and a half point home favorite. Uh, I'm real excited about betting against Gardner Minshew over the next couple months, um, but I don't think the Jacksonville D line versus Houston offensive line, especially on a short week uh, matchup, is the one that I really want to hang my hat on. Uh, yeah, I I just don't really know what to do with this game. Like, I definitely think Houston wins, but. Uh... Deshaun Watson, he still got destroyed last night against the Saints. Uh, he got sacked six times, and I think he got hit another 11 times on like 40 dropbacks, maybe. Maybe it was less than 40, but like he's getting hit still at an alarming rate. Larry Tunsil, like he started the game off pretty good, and then he just got beat down as the game goes on. But you know, I'm kind of willing to give him you know more time because you have to remember, like he just joined the team like last week, so uh, that that's. Not really something to be concerned about. I think you still got to be concerned about the rest of the offensive line outside of Tunsil. But, uh, 
it, it's just kind of hard to bet on Houston being an eight and a half point favorite right now, just with the current state of their offensive line. I mean, like Deshaun Watson could get hurt at any point, and it, it, it's a really fragile situation that they're in. So eight and a half seems like a lot, so I'm just going to pass. And one thing that I want to point out, and I don't know if this is going to translate very much, but it seemed like Houston was doing a lot of full slide stuff, which is basically like everyone takes uh, a gap assignment to one side and then the running back is on the edge, right? And it seemed like they were doing that a lot. I don't know if it's because like Tunsil hasn't been there very long and you know you can't really build up that communication and chemistry quickly. Um, but they were doing that against the Saints and that, those backs were getting their asses kicked. Um, so I don't know if we're really going to see that, you know, week two, week three, week four, when they're able to mesh more as an offensive line. Maybe that was just a, you know, Tunsil's been here for five days. He probably had three practices with the team, maybe. Um, so how, how much chemistry can you really build there? So maybe they look better this week. Um, but th- that's something that I would be worried about long term. Uh, and the other thing, Jacksonville, Houston, that's an elimination game. Each team are all in one. So one of these teams is basically going to get kicked out of the playoffs off of this. Love those elimination games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still think Houston wins this game, but it's just not going to be by the eight and a half points the spread suggests. But uh, let's move on to the afternoon games. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are heading to Oakland to play the Raiders, and we are teasing this one. We're going to pair it with Baltimore, and we have the Chiefs as a one and a half point home favorite with the tease. Uh, the Raiders are a seven. You made them at home? Oh. Road. I mean, a road. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I got like, that all, can, got that all mixed up. Can we get it, change the location? That'd be great. Yeah, I, uh, I got that all mixed up. But, uh, the, okay, so the Raiders are a seven-and-a-half-point home dog, and we're going to tease the Chiefs down to a one-and-a-half-point road favorite and pair that with Baltimore. So we have Baltimore's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against the Cardinals and the Chiefs as a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Raiders. Uh, I don't know. Like, the Raiders, they kind of looked real impressive in the first quarter of that game against the Broncos and then really fizzled out as the game went on. I mean, I, I guess, you know, it, it's hard to complain too much. They still won by a couple scores, but it looked like they were on pace to score, like, you know, 30-plus points. Yeah, Josh Jacobs looked really good. I was at, uh, he, he looked like a difference maker at running back. Um, I have a riddle for you, okay? Uh, Detroit and Oakland, okay. which one of those teams is better? Uh, Oakland. Okay, by by how many points? Mm, not much. I just I just kind of trust their passing game to be you know better throughout the season than the lines. Like maybe I don't know two points. Two points. Okay, let's say two points. Uh, Chargers in Kansas City. Which team is better? Uh, Kansas City. By how many points? I uh, I. Just don't see how you can keep up with this offense. So, you know, I, I think three. Three. Okay. So, Kansas City is at Oakland, and Oakland is a seven and a half point home dog, right? But the Chargers are at Detroit, and Detroit's only a two and a half point home dog. That's the math that doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, Detroit isn't as good as Oakland. I don't think the gap between the Chargers and Kansas City is that wide, but the difference is. Set five points. I don't understand it. I don't understand the math there. So that's kind of why I'm kind of involved in both of those games with the T's on Kansas City and picking uh, charges to cover the spread. That this this line just seems kind of broken relative to the other one. You know? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, 
I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, again, like, these, all these weak one lines are so easy that, like, it just is not shocking if the Chiefs come out and just blow the doors off of Oakland. But, you know, I, I do think that Oakland should be getting a little bit more credit. I mean, especially in Detroit. Uh, and, you know, they have a chance to keep this game competitive because the Chiefs defense is also awful. You know, look at what Gardner Minshew just did. You know, he threw for 275 yards and two touchdowns. And I don't think he threw an incompletion on, like, his first, like, 15 passes, something like that. Uh, and it, it obviously it wasn't enough to win the game because Patrick Mahomes threw for 300 yards in the first half of the game. And then, he, you know, they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half because he was playing hurt. But, man... Uh, Oakland should be getting a little bit more respect than the Lions at this point in the season. I agree. All right, let's uh, move on to the next yeah. game. Denver, early in the season at home. I think they're 21-1 and at uh, Invesco Stadium first two weeks of the year. Um, Chicago at Denver. This is an elimination game. Denver, two-and-a-half-point home dog in a situation where, once again, they're like 21-1 and in that stadium. Um, I'm taking Denver here, plus two and a half. Uh, it, it just is what it is. Teams aren't ready for altitude this early on in the year, even though Chicago's got that longer break for Thursday night football and Denver's coming off of Monday night. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Mitch plus Trubisky. Fangio yeah, knows what, what he's going against defensively. Yeah, I, like, I was just about to say. Right. And he knows what he's going against offensively, too. I mean, he was there at practice every day uh, with the Bears last year. So you get Fangio taking on his former quarterback, who is at this point has to be, you know, classified as very bad. Uh, that game last week against the Packers with Trubisky was brutal. I mean, he he looked like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, for sure. Uh, he can't throw outside the numbers, and he's just got a really bad tendency to you know, just put his eyes down and run. And it's weird because, you know, he was, even though he only played, you know, one year at UNC, he was kind of billed as like this pro-ready guy. And, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, But when you look at just the experience that Mahomes and Watson had, it's just kind of weird that this was the, uh, uh, like the situation that, Trubisky got put in where he's t- being taken number two overall and he can barely complete a pass. Like, ugh. I, I just don't see how he has success against his former coach that's just going to know all his tendencies and knows the offense inside and out. And then you you factor in the altitude. Like, this seems like a situation where we're, we should just take Denver. Because, uh, you know, two and a half point home dogs against a really bad quarterback early in the season, this seems like a layup for them. And yeah, elimination. I I'm, I'm elated. I'm elated at this situation that I get a bet on Denver here. So we'll see if Flacco breaks me. It's it's possible that Flacco just breaks me, but um, I, I really like this bet. One thing that I will say: this is going to be a boring ass game. There's going to be like 40 points scored in this game total. Um, this afternoon slate is not good. I mean, Kansas City is just going to throw layups on Oakland. Chicago, Denver. There's going to be no points. But the one I think everyone is probably going to end up watching. And what they'll probably get nationally is New Orleans at, at uh, Los Angeles Rams, right? So we get like the semi-rematch of the NFC Championship game last year. And the Rams are two-and-a-half-point home favorites. So people, the uh, the market says New Orleans is better a little bit, like on a neutral field. Yeah. Uh, 
This is another one. I mean, the, how much of that Panthers Rams game did you watch last week? Like, if you went back and watched it, not enough. Watch. Not enough. Like I said, I, I watched like maybe ten plays. All I saw was the stuff on red zone. That that's one of the games I need to rewatch. But New Orleans was a little up and down. I mean, that that game on Monday night was kind of crazy. I, I thought, you know, the teams had it in the bag probably two different times. Them and yeah. Houston, so I mean, I think I feel a little bit better with. Uh, I think I feel a little bit more comfortable in New Orleans as a team than the Rams right now because I know, and we've talked a lot about how much the Panthers' defense has improved this year, but, you know, Goff didn't really look like he was in a great place on Sunday. I mean, not mentally. That got the sound weird. Uh, but, I mean, he didn't really look like he was playing well. He didn't look comfortable. Uh, I think he only had something like four yards in the tenth. Uh, Gurley had a weird game where, you know, he's getting past the line of scrimmage and getting to the open field, but... Once he hits that second level, he doesn't have like that same burst and like runaway speed that he used to have. So he's kind of he's kind of a weird weapon that they have right now. And also, I think he I'm not even sure if he got more carries than uh, Malcolm Brown, his backup. Like, we're yeah, they kinda, like yeah. So Gurley had 14 carries. Brown had 11, and I think Brown got the bulk of like the red zone work because he ended up having two touchdowns despite having a way lower yards per carry than Gurley did. Uh, it, it's just kind of, I guess, weird that we're kind of, we're still in this situation where we don't know what Gurley is, uh, even though he, he's still probably the most talented running back, but it's weird that they're not really trusting in the red zone. And then uh, just with how electric that Saints offense looked like in the second half of the Texans game, I feel like you got to be a little bit more confident in them, but then they're on the road. So I, uh, I, I think this is a good situation where we should just pass and just kind of see what both teams are because this is this is like the one line where I was a little bit iffy on where these teams are at this point in the year. Yeah, how much? So you watched all of the New Orleans Houston game, right? Yep. In crunch time, did you see who their pass rushers were? Uh, I wasn't really paying attention to that. I was kind of drunk. Cam, Cam Jordan, okay. That's easy. And then Trey Hendrickson over Marcus Davenport, who cost them two first-round picks. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I, I saw Emery, our pal Emery Hunt football game plan, tweeting that Hendrickson's a guy that should be getting more snaps than he does. And and then he started turning up in the fourth quarter. So uh, yeah, and Dav- he, was, he was a force player, right, Like before you, before you flipped up the formula a little bit? Yeah. No, I mean, he got production, and he was athletic, too. And then uh, Davenport gave up that touchdown that Watson ran for. He was the read man there, and he just got – he just looked like a fool in space. I mean, I don't know, man. That dude cost two first-round picks, and it seemed expensive at the time, and I still think it's kind of expensive. That's the funny thing is, like, you, you know that article that I wrote where I was like, Saquon was a bad pick, and people always quote-tweet me on it? Like, every pick is kind of, right? Like, the, the logic of it stands up. Like, Davenport was one of the ones where I was like, I don't think this dude's worth two first-rounders. And he's on the bench at crunch time. In crunch time so I don't really know what we're doing there in New Orleans. Uh, their assets are not being spent right. I think after Breeze is gone, it's going to be pretty bleak. I'm ready. I'm ready for uh, that team to finally just have their reign of terror. Thanksgiving's closed. coming. Thanksgiving's coming. Yeah, they fucking... I must say they fucking ruined my Thanksgiving last year. I was sitting there full as hell. Like I, I was so full I couldn't even find the remote to move it, and I'm just seeing the Falcons get destroyed on national television, as usual. <laughs> uh, 
And, you know, I guess that gives us a good lead off into our next game because I feel like the Eagles are going to kick the Falcons' asses on, the, on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, Atlanta's a one-point home dog. And this was the one that I'm probably most on the fence on. Um, I'm done with with my bets that I feel good about this week. I gave you five, the Chargers, Minnesota, Giants, teasing Baltimore and Kansas City and the Denver. Um, this was the one where I was like, damn, I almost want to take Philadelphia as a, as a road favorite. And that's kind of weird to say and kind of sad. Uh, the Vic Beasley play against Kirk Cousins where he's just standing and watching Kirk Cousins throw the ball was, was, a, was a monumental moment for him. Like, I, I don't understand how he's getting that much money at this point. He's worse. He look. I'm not joking when I tell. Like I know people in the group chat think I'm just like super salty, but I'm not joking when I say he's the worst defensive player in the NFL. And like the level of timidity that he shows is. It, I, and I hate being like this like macho football guy, but it's weird like seeing a guy just pull up so many times and not try to just crush people in the field. I mean. When you, when you are a defensive end and you have a kill shot, like a straight-up kill shot on the quarterback, how do you pull up? Like, I know that we have these pass – like, or the roughing the passer rules, but that doesn't mean that when you see him start to pull the ball up the throat that you just stop dead in your tracks. Like, at least keep pursuing and – you know, get a hand on him or, or just like, you know, two hand touch him. Like you don't have to level him, but to just stop pursuing, which is crazy. And, you know, they have decided to put themselves in a situation where they have to rely on pretty much Vic Beasley for, for a consistent edge rush. And he hasn't been that guy really ever. Like I know during the 2016 season, he pulled up, you know, 15 and a half sacks and led the league, but it's not like that was something he was doing consistently. Like the get, the sacks came in bunches, and now he is just so he is so far off from where he was that season that it's just kind of jarring. But I, I I don't see how they get any pressure on Carson Wentz. Like the Falcons are at a major disadvantage on the edge. You have Vic Beasley going against Lane Johnson, and Lane Johnson might not even break a sweat trying to block for Carson Wentz in that game. And then on the flip side, uh, I know the. The Eagles just lost Malik Jackson for what looks like the season with the Liz Frank injury, but the Falcons just you put their first Lindstrom. round pick. Right, they just put yeah. Frank, they just put Lindstrom the first round pick on the injured reserve, and it looks like he's going to be out for most of the season with a fractured foot. Like this is a very bad matchup, I think, for the Falcons. And the only way that I see them winning this game is if you know you're just going to need Julio Snu and Ridley to just absolutely take over at cornerbacks because you know the Falcons' defense isn't going to be able to stop the Eagles' offense just with just how limited they are on the defensive front outside of Grady Jarrett and Allen Bailey, like, very, very occasionally. Uh, but, you know, they got steamrolled by the Vikings' offensive line, and pretty much everyone outside of Grady Jarrett had a terrible game in the front seven. Uh, and now here comes a much better offensive line. So, Whatever. I, I, I'm going to pass on this just because, you know, Atlanta's at home and they have, you know, they do have enough weapons on offense. But I feel like the Eagles should very much be expected to win this game. Yeah, and Atlanta was really good on offense last year, right? Defense was definitely their detriment. Um, but we've seen it week one. Their offense isn't clicking in the preseason. Their offensive wasn't clicking. So, yeah, I, I, I don't I'm tentatively eyeballing this game basically and like i'll probably 
be mad at myself when Philadelphia is up 28 at the half that I didn't bet this game, but whatever. Uh, Monday Night Football, Cleveland at the New York Jets. This is our last elimination game of the week, the, the fourth out of the four. Um, they're both 0-1. The Jets are two-and-a-half-point home underdogs. What, what, is, what possibly could be your take on this one? Uh, I Darnold's sad. Yeah, Darnold Donald doesn't look great. Uh, but I, I don't think he's also – I also don't think he's playing with a coach that's, like, good for him. Because Darnold – I think last year, in the last month of the season, we saw – Darnold's at his best when he's allowed to rip it and let, you know, and just allowed to throw the ball down the field. And that is not Adam Gacy, like, at all. And I know Gacy's gotten the stamp of approval from Peyton Manning, but, you know, to a degree, like, when Peyton Manning's out there throwing for 55 touchdowns or whatever, I don't, I'm not, I'm pretty sure Gacy was the uh, OC that year or maybe the year before. But either way, like, Peyton Manning was still balling. You know, you're not going to tell Peyton Manning what to do on offense. And he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. And I think when we saw that watered-down version of Jay Cutler in Chicago where, oh, you like, oh, Adam Gacy got Jay Cutler to not throw interceptions, when the real thing was Adam Gacy just plays scared on offense. And he, you know, it's really weird to see, like, his public persona with the way he talks about, you know, the pride of, like, being a head coach in the NFL where he's saying he can do whatever he wants and that come game day he's throwing 14 passes for under 100 yards to Jameson Crowder and, like, breaking the record doing that. It's it's very strange, and I just don't know if this quarterback head coach fit is the best. Uh, I, I, I'd be inclined to take Cleveland as a two-and-a-half-point road favorite just because I feel like they have a better – I know, you know, Sunday – the fourth quarter was a complete disaster for them. But I feel like they have a better like vision of who they want to be as a team, at least. And I'm, I'm not as concerned. I know that their loss was much worse, but I'm not as concerned about the Browns as I am about the Jets. Uh, but I think either way, this is a stay-away game. And, you know, I, I hope that, that Gacy lets Donald Ribbon because I think he's capable of doing that. But right now, this does not look like a good match for the remainder of the season. I just have red flags up with Cleveland where I'm trying to avoid them at all costs at this point until some of these questions get answered where it's like, okay, they were, what, they were six, nine and one last year, right? They got, they lost by 30 points um, in week one. No team that's done that since the 2003 Patriots has won a playoff game. Uh, there's been like one since like 2005 that's even made it to the playoffs. Right, teams that are uh, lose by thirty points don't make the playoffs at all in general. Not even just including Week One. And then you have like Freddie Kitchens is the interim head coach who makes it as head coach. The last and the the best interim head coach since Jeff Fisher is Jeff Fisher, right? Which is a huge red flag for like, hey, probably don't hire in house when you want to fire your head coach anyway. Uh, he's a career running backs coach. And then you have this Odell Beckham Jr. stuff where he's like kind of playing victim with the, the getting fined for wearing a $50,000 watch. And he's like, this would only happen to me. Guys get fined for wearing their socks at different lengths. And you think that you're being singled out because you wore a watch on the field? I just don't understand what the hell is happening here. I don't know if he can manage those personalities. And Jarvis Landry's already, like, giving, like, don't ask me those type of questions after week one. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just think that – And Baker, the- like, Baker sucked. Let's be honest. Baker sucked against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, especially in the fourth Those quarter. Those interceptions yeah. were on him. Those yeah. interceptions were on him. 
Yeah, and honestly, he, he could have thrown four because he threw in there. He like th- his first pass of the game should have been a pick six, but uh, it was it wasn't a good day for them. But I just I just think that they have too much top end talent, and you know I, I thought the interesting thing for the Browns was you know schematically their offense didn't look like they did when they were you know rolling at the end of last season like where they have a ton of misdirection action in the backfield and you know even the preseason they're doing stuff like sprint draw with Nick Chubb and trying to create space like that but uh they just didn't really have the same you know at least offensive look they did last year and you know if they can just get back to you know scheming open these like these wide open plays and you know I, I think there's, there might be a point where you're looking at and say, oh, we have Odell Beckham and he can beat anyone. So maybe we don't have to be as creative or I don't know. But they just kind of need to, you know, catch that spark that they have from last year. But I, I, I'd be inclined to take them over the Jets if I was going to put money on this one. But we're going to pass. So I, I think, you know, it, it's weird because at the start of the season, <laughs> I was thinking like, wow, you know, for the first time ever, we have a Browns-Jets primetime game that's kind of interesting. And now it's just like, oh, wait, you know, uh, actually, this kind of feels like a Browns and Jets game on primetime. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think this might be a bounce back game for the Browns. And also, if we're going to talk about matchups, like the Browns receivers have a huge advantage over the Jets cornerbacks. Like that's something that's not even going to be close here. Uh and even uh, last even last week, the Bills receivers were able to find some space. You know, you just have, like, this spaz playing quarterback that can't do anything. Yeah. Once again, I can't understate this. The Bills spotted them eight points and had one of the three worst quarterbacks in the league, and the Jets couldn't come away with a win. So I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland was up at, like, 28 at the half or something like that. But I, ju- I just don't want to trust either of these teams. All right, fair enough. You wanna, uh, you got anything else to say, or should we close out this uh, week two special? Uh, I just want to go over the futures again that we right. had and talk about them. So we had Baltimore plus three hundred that has value on it now. Tennessee plus seven hundred that has value now. Carolina plus six hundred that has value now. Buffalo under, Oakland under. Uh, feeling iffy on the Oakland under at this point. Buffalo, I'm feeling pretty good. Josh Allen is who we thought he was, um, and then we had Green Bay. A uh, win and a half over Detroit. Feel real good about that. Uh, New England, three and a half wins over the Jets. Feel real good about that. Kansas City, three and a half wins over Oakland. Kansas City isn't missing a step. Seattle, a half win over San Francisco. Uh, maybe a little iffy on that one, but still feel pretty good. Um, I want to add an, a new future to this because I think this is the only week that we're going to get. Cause, so, like, Detroit, we think they're going to lose to the Chargers, right? Chicago going into Denver is going to probably, like, put them in a real bad spot to get into the playoffs and we think minnesota's going to win head to head against green bay um i think now is the time to strike on minnesota plus uh, 175 to win the nfc board I, th- I think those are the ones that we need to be going after right now i kind of want to take dallas but it's already at like plus 150 and philadelphia is down there i think philadelphia and dallas can go down to like week 17 deciding who gets the two seed who gets the five seed in in the nfc but i think now is the time to strike on the uh, NFC North Futures, Minnesota plus one one seventy five. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They look like the best team in the North by like a pretty wide margin right now. Uh, we, we hit on all the other teams. The Bears don't have an offense. The you know Packers just look discombobulated in offense. So you know, I, I know Aaron Rodgers probably at this point we can comfortably say he's not the player they used to be, but. I think you got a little faith that they could turn around a little bit, but they're still, you know, and the line is whatever. Uh, 
they're still like they still have a chance to be competitive with the Vikings, but I think the 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 Vikings are just a good deal better than the other three teams. Like I think if you had to tier them, it'd probably be Vikings tier, then Packers, Bears, and then tier and then Lions. So uh, that one that plus one seventy five bet that's not looking bad for Minnesota. Yeah, that's all I got this week. You let me all know right. if you want anything else. Do we uh, have people sending questions throughout the week? No, uh, let's not do okay. that. Uh, let, let's just, you know, whenever we decide to pop up on the interwebs and say, hey, we're recording an episode, we'll do it that way in first dibs. Uh, but yeah, should have some uh, hashtag exciting news to share with you guys over the next week or so. Uh, oh, I, I, wa- I want to give, I want to talk about a hot take since right, we usually end on, on more five-star reviews than Peter King. Peter King had Jacoby Brissett third in MVP odds coming into the season. That's amazing. Mm. We're at peak Jacoby. Yeah, uh, so we can close this with a, you know, a great Stephen A. quote to respond to that. Just simply one word, crack. We will see you guys next week. Okay, cool.